Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I wonder why God even bothered. We must be an absolute bother to him. To the point that I think that he would nearly be willing to throw up his hands and say, I give up. It's impossible to do anything with that bunch that I created and just let us go our way and whatever will be, will be. And for the most part, on our own, we would end in hell. But for some reason or other, God does not think like we think. If he did, we would indeed be a sorry lot. For we're very prone to give up. To throw up our hands in disgust and say, well, if that's the way you want it, then just go ahead and do it as you will. But God doesn't do it that way. He does not give up on us. As a matter of fact, the scripture makes it very plain, as Paul spoke to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15, he said that Jesus came to save sinners. And the Lord himself said in the book of Luke, chapter 19 and verse 10, that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so I realize in those words that he did not give up on me. For I claim to be one of those that was lost, for whom he came to seek and to save. And all of those, all of you who are here this afternoon would have to fall into that same category. And it may very be, it may very well be possible that some of you are still in the category of the person for whom he came to seek and to save, and you have not yet come into the category of those who are saved. Before one is to be saved, there is a prerequisite. Let me me give you that prerequisite. The prerequisite is that you must recognize yourself as being nothing. Now I can say I believe very frankly that many people do not come to the salvation offered by Jesus Christ for one primary reason, and that is that they're not willing to accept themselves and recognize themselves as nothing. We all have a tendency to think of ourselves as something. And we refer to other people and say, boy, doesn't he think he's something? Or she's or he's something stuck on a stick. That's a phrase that I grew up with as a kid. Meaning that we were put out in front where everybody could see us. We were number one. And we wanted to be recognized as someone of importance. 
until one loses his self-importance, he cannot be saved. That is the deterrent that gets in the way of so many people. And the Lord, in the words that we read, began the, this statement with a prayer. The first, the 25th verse, the first verse that I read, and the 26th verse is a prayer. The Lord's Prayer, not the model prayer that we quote. It is a prayer that the Lord prayed, very short. And he said, Father, I thank you, the Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things, the type of thing that I've been talking about, you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and has revealed them unto babes. Now what did he mean by such a statement? I might shock you this morning by something that I say, but I firmly believe it. You will never become a Christian by the exercise of your mind. You can never think enough thoughts, rationalize enough concepts, produce enough reality, think your way through enough of anything to ever be saved. Because the scripture says it is with the heart that man believes unto righteousness. Not with the mind, but with the heart. We might think our way through many problems in life. We might sit down with our calculator and calculate the costs of many things. How to build a house. Do I have enough money? And if you purchased a car recently, you probably have taken your pen and pencil and figured out how much is it going to cost me per month, and can I afford this in my budget before you made that rational or irrational decision. You will consider the same thing when you put a meal on the table. You don't start putting food on the table until you figure out whether you have some food to put there and what will go with what, and what will make a nice meal, and how will one dress, and all of those things can be produced in the mind. And one can come to some logical conclusions as to what he ought to do or ought not to do on every subject in this world with the exception of one. And that one subject, what will you do with Jesus Christ, is thought through in the heart. It is not thought through in the mind. There are multitudes of people who believe they're wise, who have been deceived by the devil in thinking that they can rationalize, that they can, can produce some thought patterns that will bring them to a logical conclusion as to what the church is all about, why Jesus Christ came, what it means to be saved, and no one ever arrives at a logical conclusion about his salvation by the use of his mind. He must use his heart. Jesus said that God reveals these things not to the wise, not to the prudent, but to babes. Now what did he mean? Let's throw out some contrasts. 
between the flies and babies. They're babies. It is not a contrast between knowledge and ignorance. It is not a contrast between being educated and uneducated. It is not a contrast between being brilliant or being very simple. That's not the contrast. The contrast is between those who think that they can save themselves by their own wisdom and resources as compared to the person who finally acknowledges that he does not have enough wisdom and enough resource to bring salvation into his life. It must come as a baby fully believing, fully receiving, fully depending upon someone. There is no child that goes through the thought process of saying, I will walk. He depends completely and fully upon mom to carry him or upon dad. He does not have to think it through to know that it's the underlying arms of the parent that supports them and gives them encouragement and love. He doesn't think those things through. It's automatic to him. He just receives that which he has under him. And he's carried securely in the bosom of the father or the mother without a mental, rational process. But there's something coming through that life that causes him to know that he has what he needs, the security from his parents. It comes from his heart. And it's that same thing that must come from the heart of people if they're to be saved. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Very wise man. Very intelligent. Very well educated. He knew the scriptures through and through. And he asked Jesus something about salvation. And Jesus gave him the thought. And it wasn't the use of the mind. He said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus came back and said, I don't understand this. My mind will not allow me to comprehend being born again. His mind won't. People's minds today cannot comprehend the truth of the rebirth. Because it's a truth conceived in the heart. Until one puts his heart into the picture... There can be no salvation. Now let's go down to verse 27. All things are delivered unto me. He's not praying now. He's back to talking to the group. He's finished his prayer. He didn't even say amen. He just finished his prayer. He doesn't have to say amen. He's the one who causes the amen. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. I want you to notice the last phrase of that verse, more important than anything else. There are three things in that verse that are important for us to know. Number one, Jesus equates himself with God. Two, Jesus has all of the authority of God. And thirdly, no man can come unto God except the Son of God reveal God to man. Now there are lots of people who are trying to get to God. 
But Jesus himself says you're never going to make it unless I myself reveal God to you. So there are lots of people who believe that they've had God in their mind, in their heart. They know all about God. But Jesus says unless I reveal him, you're never going to know him. Many times, in talking to people about becoming a Christian, they will say to me, and this was said to me just recently here in this community, I'm giving it a lot of thought. I'm thinking about it. I'm studying it over. Friend, you're not going to make it that way. Because Jesus himself says nobody is going to know unless I reveal him. Do you want to know God? I've had people come to my door and knock on my door, and I go to the door at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, and I can remember in one occasion a young lady showed up at the door, and I opened the door late at night, and the first thing out of her mouth was, I want to know God. Folks, you cannot know God until you have known Jesus Christ. If you do not know Jesus Christ, you'll never see God. You'll never be in the presence of God. Because it is the Son of God that reveals God. And only the Son of God reveals God. Now, go to verse 28. There's some very important words Mrs. May put some important words on the chalkboard downstairs in our Sunday school class. And I went back and, and highlighted every one of those because I'm going to preach a sermon from those seven verbs one of these days. I haven't thought of that idea. But I want you to see a word here that is important, very important, and it's the first word in verse 28. This is the invitation of Jesus Christ himself, the word come. I have extended the invitation from the pulpit hundreds and hundreds of times over the past years. I've done it in many, many different ways. But listen, unless Jesus Christ extends the invitation, there is none. And his invitation is very simple and very direct to the point in one word, a four-letter word, come. Come unto me. That's his invitation to salvation. That's all man has to do. When Nicodemus said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus could very easily have given this very simple invitation. All you have to do is come. But man wants to put strings on it. Man wants to say, I've got to do other things. I've got to be straighten up my life, and I've got to become good. I've got to join the church. I've got to be baptized. I've got to do this and do that and the other. Listen, all those things are important, and people need to do them. But they're done after the facts, not before the facts. 
One becomes a member of the church, one is baptized, one attends services, one prays, one does all those things because he is saved, not to become saved. Salvation is simply a response to one word, and the word is come. Once one has done that, then he will, because he loves the Lord, do all of these other things that we're talking about. But let's get the horse in front of the cart. Too many people want to reverse it. Jesus said, come. Now, look, look further in that verse. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, that verse has been misused, and I've done it, by, I suppose, it's probably been misused by every preacher that ever stood in the pulpit. And most people sit in the pew. Jesus is not talking to Christian people in this verse. And we've used it that way. If I am burdened, I can come to the Lord and he will give me rest. Supposedly that's what the verse says. And that's true, but that's not the intent of this verse. There are other places in scripture we can find that truth. But Jesus was not inviting Christian people in verse 28. This was a statement to the lost. He said to the lost, you come if you are laboring on a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what's he talking about? Those who labor. Labor, and sometimes we find the word weary used in terminology that we could use here, is referring to working to the point of exhaustion. Now, if you're weary, if you really have labored, you have extended yourself to the point of exhaustion, then you've really worked. Jesus is talking about lost who have spent all of their energy to the point of exhaustion trying to find a way into heaven besides through the only door that there is. You look in this community, you look across this state, around the world, and you will find people who are nearly exhausting themselves in trying to find salvation in every other manner with the exception of the one that is provided. I have a friend who does this very thing. He's not been satisfied in uh, the Baptist church. He attended the church uh, where we were preaching before uh, in Ritchie County before coming here faithfully. But since then, he, I don't know whether he doesn't like the next preacher came along, and I think that's ridiculous that people decide whether they go to church or don't go to church based upon their concept of the preacher. That's beside the point. But he quit, and he is exhausting himself looking here and there for some satisfaction. People are looking to the high crystal uh, movement in, the, in the, the Moundsville area. They're looking to every kind of church and every kind of group that is there and available because they're looking for something to satisfy the longings of their heart. That's why even all of the TV religious programs have great 
followings of millions of people who are willing to support them with millions of dollars, and that's okay. There is no objection on my part in doing that. But my point is, many, many of those people are searching for a solution to an internal problem. And they're going hither and yon to the Baptist Church, to the Methodist Church, to the Pentecostal Church, to the Catholic Church, always moving, always changing, always looking, never satisfied, can't find their niche. I think we need to settle down to where we belong in God's kingdom. And if it's not in this church, then it ought to be in another church. But this thing of moving continually from hither to yon, uh, trying to find some solution, is simply an indication that they're working themselves to exhaustion when the truth is in Jesus Christ, not in the denomination, not in the preacher, not in the TV program. It's in Jesus Christ. That's where reality is. And so all those who are weary in trying every possible solution upon earth, he has invited. When you're tired of looking and can't find solutions, Jesus says, come to me. Now, look at the next word. Those of you who are heavy laden, suggesting a burden of some sort. And there are many groups and many churches that put out these burdens. And they say to you, you can't be saved unless you belong to my church. You can't be saved unless you adhere to my creed. You can't be saved unless you follow the formula that I produce. Well, listen, I don't find anything in the scripture that says you've got to say a thousand Hail Marys to be saved. I don't find anything in the scriptures that says you have to belong to the Baptist church to be saved, or to the church of Christ, or to the Methodist, or to the Pentecostal. There's nothing in the scripture that says you have to speak in tongues to be saved. Those are formulas and produces, uh, products of man's mind, not of God's will. When we start saying we've got to do this and do that and do something else in order to have salvation, we are being heavy laden with ridiculous loads. Jesus said when you're tired of carrying that load, then come to me. What's he going to do? I'll give you rest. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.